Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, why don't you go ahead and grab a seat? And um, as we get going, I, I feel like I just need to bring up, I don't see Kim, but I like January. I, maybe I'm the odd one. Any, anyone out there like, I'm the odd one. Great. Good, good to make that discovery this morning. Um, hey, it's good to be with you. My name's Adam, and I'm um, one of the pastors here at Mosaic, and I get to open scripture, which um, I love getting to do this. And uh, we have uh, been in this series, as Tim mentioned, called The Heart, Where Jesus Begins His Revolution. And we've been in this series since uh, the beginning of last month. And, uh, and he mentioned this, and, and, and hopefully it goes without saying, that, that throughout this teaching, we're not talking about the, the organ, right? This thing that's moving blood around our body. That's, that word, heart, it's, it's kind of a placeholder for something more meaningful. It's a placeholder for, for the core of who we are. I, I've heard it called our, our inner self or our inner life, this, this essence of who we are that, that represents our, our will. It represents this place that, that we can have communion and community with, with God. And, and it's in this place that, that he wants to begin a revolution, a place of, of reshaping and changing. Um, I've got a, a friend here at, uh, at Mosaic, and we were talking about this, this teaching in this series and, and just how it's impacting him. And um, last week he was telling me, you know, I'm, I'm in a really, really demanding job. He's um, high up management in retail, and, and he just said, you know, I feel like my life is just function. It's appointment to appointment to meeting to meeting, deadline to deadline, just go, just go, just go. And he said that, that through this teaching, he's been a little more uh, contemplative of, of his own heart and, and, and what's going on beneath the surface. And he said, you know, I, I just don't think about that very much, and, and there's not a lot of places where, where we talk about it. My boss he was saying his boss never asked him how his heart is. <laughs> and I can imagine that. And, and he was saying it's, it's important. And, and it just so happens that he's making this career path change from one vocation to the next. And, and in this, God has birthed something in his heart where he's saying, I, I am feeling like I just want to be used by God for a purpose to bless other people. That's revolution of the heart. Not just logic. Not just a reordering of days, but, but truly a revolution at the core of who we are. And so week after week, we've kept pointing at this scripture in Proverbs 4 where, where we're, we're told to guard our heart, to do everything to guard our heart because the issues of life flow from our heart, meaning this, this piece of us at the core of who we are, this inner person is influencing all of our lives, even if we're not aware of it, even if we don't see it influencing our, our relationships, our decisions, the, the, the way that we move throughout life. And, and so um, up to this point in this series, we, we've really been doing work at, at trying to define what, what we mean when we say heart, what we mean when we say this, this inner person that, 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 that God has created in us. And today, I want us to pivot a little bit in this teaching um, to ask the question now, how? Okay, so we get, we get it. We're, we're not just physical beings uh, with, with physical things to do, but, but we're also heart. We're also inner being. And God, he wants to do a revolution in our hearts, but, but how? What, what, is, what does that actually look like? So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, if you've got a Bible, flip over to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. It's in the, in the New Testament. Um, it's, a, it's a short book. It's only five or six chapters. So um, Flip there and, and just kind of hold that open for a moment. Before we dive into that text, uh, I want to talk about the subject of Galatians 5. 
Um, you might remember the, the first week of this teaching, Tim ended uh, his talk with an invitation, a prayer prompt for us to pray to the, the Holy Spirit. And, and I think the prayer prompt was just this, dear Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you did that or what that was like for you, but, but I want to acknowledge and realize that, that for many of us, we, we might have a pretty good grasp on God the Father. You know, we, we, we have somewhere in our mind where we go and we think of that, and, and we have a really good grasp on, on, on God the Son, Jesus. We talk about him all the time. We're always pointing towards him. And, and then there's that other one, right? We, we don't always have as much clarity on God the Holy Spirit and, and his role in our lives. And yet, we, we can't really talk about the revolution of the heart without talking about the Holy Spirit and who he is and how we relate with him. So before we, we dive into Galatians chapter 5, I, I want to lay out just a little bit of, of theology for us. Now, I know it's Sunday morning at 1128, but, but I think we can do this, right? We've had our coffee. We're good to go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out this, this theological term, um, and it's this word, maybe you've heard it called the Trinity. And it's this word that describes God both being one and, and being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just tell you right now, we are skipping a stone across the surface of this topic, and there'll be other times that we pick up the Trinity um, as a topic and times we talk in, in greater detail about the Holy Spirit, but, but I want to give us a couple of pictures, um, uh, handles as we talk about the Trinity today. Uh, one is a scene in, in Matthew chapter 3, as Jesus is, is beginning his ministry, he's on earth in, in physical form, and he's being baptized. And, and the story tells us that, that Jesus is there in physical form, being baptized by John the Baptist. The, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and there's a voice from heaven that's the Father saying, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And it gives us this picture of God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and so we hold that with one hand, and, and, and then we, we read in Deuteronomy 6, this real critical, important um, uh, scripture for us that says, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Not multiple gods, not different gods. He's one, expressing his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we engage with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Uh, a mentor of mine a handful of years ago got this book into my hand called Experiencing the Trinity uh, by Daryl Johnson. It's, it's a great book um, in that it, it doesn't just lay out, hey, here's, here's the ideas behind the Trinity, but rather here's ways to to actually engage with the Father, engage with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And um, this is what he says. The God who has claimed us for himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not just Father, not just Son, not just Spirit. God is God for us. That's our Father. God is God with us. That's Jesus. And God is God in us. God's Holy Spirit. God is God within us. Jesus, um, as our example, we read in Scripture, was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that, that he was led by the Holy Spirit. When he went out in, in Matthew 4 to be led into the wilderness, the, the Spirit led him. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there's a story in, in John chapter 16 when Jesus is with his disciples. They're having one of their, their last times together, their last meal together, because he knows he's about to face the cross, death, and will be resurrected. And he, and he tells his disciples, listen, the way that we, we interact, the way that you follow me, it's, it's going to look different. 
But to this point, they could, they could just hear his words audibly. They could literally follow in his footsteps. They could ask him any questions. They could physically see him do and, and hear him teach, and, and they'd had access to them. And he says, listen, I'm, I'm going away to be with the Father, but this is for your benefit. This is a good thing. I'm going away to be with the Father, but the Father is going to send the Comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that will indwell in us and make his home in us. And so here in a moment, when we, we read Galatians 5, when we, we read about the work of the Spirit, I want us to have an understanding of, of this person, this part of the, the, the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. I, um, I got a slide here that, that has just a few uh, attributes and names of the Holy Spirit, and, and there are many more than this, but, but I thought that this will give us at least a picture. Uh, the first is, is he comforts us. Jesus says that, that he is going to come and, and he will be our comforter. I think Philippians 4 captures this well when it says that, that we have access to this peace that goes beyond understanding. It's a peace that, that goes beyond what we can think about, goes beyond reason and logic, and it's, it, it's a peace that's a work of the Holy Spirit within our heart. I shared a story with you um, this last year of a woman who, uh, this is her, Mosaic's her home church, and she went through a really, really difficult time at work, uncertainty and strife and just up and down, and, and, and I think a lot of us would know what that feels like and, 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 and can identify with that, and, and yet she, she had this peace as a product of, of the Holy Spirit within her to the point that even her coworkers are like, man, how are you not freaking out? The comforter. God, the Holy Spirit, comforter. He guides us. He leads us beyond just what we know into our intuition and discernment and leads us for his destiny and his plan for our lives. Tim mentioned a few minutes ago that, that here in a few weeks we're going to be coming to this place and, and going through focused living, which is all about kind of discerning God's call for our lives and, and what is our contribution and what is he shaping us for. And, and the, that work is, is the Holy Spirit working within us. He guides us. He convicts the world of sin and reveals God's righteousness. We come to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit's drawing us and wooing us into something better, into something that's whole and real and true, that he convicts us and reveals God's righteousness. He empowers us, and, and, and even in our weakness, he prays on our behalf. We might not have a lot of context to think about the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe, and certainly there are some in this room who do, but, but for those who don't, even if you don't have a, a really good handle on this, the Holy Spirit's at work in you. He's at work in you today. He was at work in you this morning when you woke up, comforting, leading, guiding, correcting, discerning. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, and it's where that revolution of the heart begins that he begins to reshape the behaviors and the motivations of our heart. So now let's turn to, to Galatians 5 and let's read about this. This is um, a book in our Bible, but it was written as a letter um, to a, a young church that's trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. And um, we're going to begin in, in verse 16. And it says this, So I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict 
with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So where we pick up in Paul's letter, Paul is teaching, explaining uh, those who are, are, are led by the Spirit, they walk by the Spirit. And I, I want to point out, um, I asked Josh to keep this slide up. When, when we see the word Spirit, that's, that's capitalized. That's, that's actually a title. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not just talking about spirituality. He's not saying those who are spiritual, those who are open to ideas of spiritual uh, or spirituality. He's saying, no, those who are led by the person who is God, the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say in that last bit, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the people reading this letter would have known exactly what he was talking about. Um, to bring some clarity to us, what he's referencing, uh, your, your Bible, if you've got a Bible um, with you, it's, it's split into an Old Testament and a New Testament. And that describes an old covenant, an old way that, that God connected with people and led his people, and, and a new way that he's doing that, that now. And in the beginning, when he, when he first covenanted with, with, with people, uh, it was with a family that, that became a nation. We read about this in Genesis 12. He comes to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Through you, all nations will be blessed. As that begins to, to come to fruition, it becomes a, a nation of people who are led by God to build a temple. God is specific on what it's going to look like. It's ornate. And, and in this temple, there are specific rooms. And, and in the, the most uh, holy of holy, the, 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 the most important part of this temple that, that priests would go to once a year after going through ceremony represents where the presence of God is. And then to go in tandem with this temple is, is a law or a code that God has given these people that, that is describing what it is and what it looks like to be his people. I think probably the, the, the most obvious one for us to think about is, is the Ten Commandments. That, that these describe his people, these people that have been set apart, these people who have uh, been called, who have been blessed, and, and God will bless the world through them. Then enters Jesus. Jesus then goes through death, burial, resurrection, and now we read in Scripture that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God has made his home in us. Not in a place that we can go to, that we might or might not have access to, but, but in us. And his leading now is, is no longer this, this law or this, this code, but, but rather the God of the universe inhabiting your heart wants to lead you himself. That's an amazing thought, Right? And I, 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 this week as I read that, I had to stop from it and think, man, the, the God of the universe wants to order my days, wants to comfort me, guide me, and lead me. That's amazing. This is what Paul is talking about when he says those who are following, who are being led by the Spirit of God. And he continues in 19, he says, now, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, impurity. Uh, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These Galatians were some wild people, I guess. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So he's talked about being led by the Spirit and and who is led by the Spirit. Now he's introducing this this other influence that he calls the flesh. Now I don't think that he's talking about our our physical bodies, our our flesh and our bones. I, I think he's talking about the innate brokenness that is to be human. That, that we are born and we soon discover that, that we are broken and in need of something other, outside of ourselves. And, and, and we know this because even though we have the potential for good, we don't always choose good, right? We have the potential to love and to be loved and to be loving, and, and yet there's a lot of hate in our world. And I think even people who don't uh, accept the idea of God or are not religious would at least accept the idea that, that there is a need for something other, outside of myself. Maybe that's a different gospel than Jesus. Maybe that's the gospel of, of, of finances. If I can gain as much money as possible, that's going to be the other thing that I need. Or maybe it's success, maybe it's power, maybe it's, it's fame. It's something other than what I have that, that I am in need for, that that is this influence of flesh. And I think that, that we see this sometimes um, in, in social media. I don't spend a ton of time uh, on social media, um, but, but when I do go on there, it, it strikes me how awesome everyone's lives are in contrast to mine. Like that they're eating amazing things and they're all you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise and going on vacation all the time. And, and I came across this Instagram account, and I'm not advocating for it or Instagram or anything, but I'm going to tell you about it. And it's called Influencers in the Wild. And it's an Instagram account about people who would kind of be like a travel influencer and you know, this is their incredible life. But, but then it's photos and videos of people uh, taking of them as they're making their selfies and their videos. And it's hilarious. Like it shows the video that was originally supposed to be there and it's epic and the lighting's just right and everything's good. And then you see like the hidden cam version of it and it's, it's hilarious, it's ridiculous. And, and I, I don't know why, but it's, it's a secret pleasure of mine. I like watching that and people trip on the internet. That's, that's why the internet exists for me. But Paul is saying, listen, you have two influences. There's this influence of, of, of God's spirit who wants to live in you and reshape your life and, and, and revolutionize your heart. But, but you also have the influence of your own flesh to say, I'm going to do whatever I want whenever I want and only please myself. He says, that, that's going to lead to a heart of destruction. That's not what God wants for me. It's not what God wants for you. So he goes on to describe what it's like to be led by the Holy Spirit. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of, of the Spirit being in our hearts, the Holy Spirit inhabiting and having access to our heart. What happens when we begin to follow him and to lead and to be in step with him? It says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This is the revolution of our hearts. That when when I'm abiding in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is influencing my heart and I'm following after him, that I become more loving. That, that you become more loving for the people around you and for yourself and people in your world and for our city. You become more, more patient and gracious, have more gratitude. And that these aren't, 
these aren't characteristics that we, that we try to force or, or, or put on because that doesn't last very long, but these are coming from the core of who we are, from our heart. This is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit in us, producing these things. So Paul lays it out. There's, there's these two influences. You can follow the whims of your flesh, which he's going to tell you now leads to destruction, or you can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to be in step with him. So then, the question that comes to my mind is, what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? What does it look like to respond to that leading in us? I came across this, this quote by David Zuckick that I, that I think really captures this well, and he says, to walk in the Spirit first means that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Second, it means to be open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And third, it means to pattern your life after the influence of the Holy Spirit. So it gives us this, this kind of practical picture, which is it's helpful when we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Holy Spirit to, to break it down and say, what does that actually mean? And he begins by saying, well, it, it, it starts when the Spirit lives in you. When you cross the threshold of belief and confession and say, Jesus, I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord. That's the moment that his spirit has access to inhabit our heart and to make his home there. And that's an open invitation for you and I and for everyone else that he's standing at, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart waiting to be invited in and for his spirit to make his residency in that heart. And then he says, second, it's not just about making that confession, having that belief, but, but to be open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit. That this, this request of us then to, to bring vulnerability and honesty to this relationship with the Holy Spirit. My, um, my family, we have a house in, uh, in St. John's, and uh, we, we host from time to time. We actually like hosting, and I, I see a lot of faces who have been in our home for a dinner party or, or something else, and, and we like doing that, but, but if you've been invited to my house uh, for a dinner or for some other meeting, I'm pretty sure um, we prepared and got the house ready for you. That when you showed up, most things were in order. Now, maybe they didn't stay that way, we, you know, we can only keep it that way for so long, but, but they were in order. The, the, if, if we said there was going to be dinner, dinner would be there, the house will be mostly picked up, and and it'll be presentable and ready for you. If you live in my house, you might have a different experience. It might not always look perfect and put together and clean. If you lived in my house, in fact, you know where all the messes are. You know where all the stains are on the carpet. You know the, the, what it looks like underneath the fridge. You know that we never open our coat closet when guests are over because they'll see inside there. You know those things. This, this reality that the Holy Spirit wants to make his home in us, he doesn't want to be an occasional visitor to pop in on Sunday mornings. Hey, how's, how's it going in here? How's your heart? No, he, he wants to live there. And the reality is, at least in my heart, there are things I'd rather him not know about or see. It's, it's like having a roommate and, and he sees this big mess I've got over there and, and, and I tell him, can we just... We just not. Just, this, is what, this is how I do it. Try it. We just don't see it. 
And it's, yeah, I know it's destructive. I know it's really bad for my heart. I know this isn't good. Man, I, I, yeah, I need to forgive, but, but can, we just, can we just not? And the invitation for us is to be vulnerable with the Holy Spirit because he doesn't bring condemnation. He sees us through the redemptive lens of the work that Jesus did on the cross. He wants healing and wholeness. He doesn't want us to carry those things. He wants us in our vulnerability to say, I don't think that this is meant to be in my heart. This is hurtful. This is toxic. Can, can you take these things? Can you reshape and revolutionize my heart? I had this happen to me um, just this last week where, uh, you know, some days you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and those are dangerous days for your family. Um, and I had one of those days this week and ended up uh, just being mean and hurtful to my best friend, who is my wife. And my, my buddy, John Chang, who teaches here come, sometimes, he calls it being the donkey. And I think that that's a euphemism for the other word for a donkey that's only three letters long. And if, if that is, then I was definitely the donkey. And it was, it was you've been there, right? You've done this thing, and, and then... If you're like me, what, what, what can happen is this spiral of shame. Like just this, oh, I'm frustrated, I'm angry at myself. And, and, and shame just reiterates all these lies about yourself because it's, it's not guilt. Guilt is I'm sorry for what I've done. Shame is I'm sorry for who I am. And it, it, I was just spiraling and spiraling. And the temptation for me in that moment was to, to kind of squeeze all that into a box in my heart and slide it under, under the bed. And you know, we don't look at that either. Instead, I opted for vulnerability, and, and a couple of things had to happen. One, I had, I had apologized to my friend and asked for forgiveness, and, and we've been married 18 years, so we've done a lot of forgiving. Um, the second thing was, was to bring this before the Holy Spirit, and I was, I was driving down the road. I was going to meet a friend of mine who I didn't even want to go see. He's, a, he's a, kind of a mentor, friend, Jesus follower of mine, and I knew we were going to have to talk about heart stuff. That's the last thing I wanted to do, so I just... I simply said this prayer, Holy Spirit, and my heart is hurting. Because in this moment, when, when I'm feeling this shame, it's, it's a, that moment that, that Satan wants to whisper all of his lies. Right? And this, this lie that, that he had for me in that moment, and he's had it much of my life, is, is this, this phrase, hey, you're counterfeit. You're, you're counterfeit. You're fool's gold. This is this meanness, this brokenness, this is who you really are. And, and I got to bring that to the Holy Spirit and say, I'd rather this not be in my heart. I'd rather you not see this. I'd rather not talk about it. But, but I know you're good and you don't condemn. You want to heal my heart. Holy Spirit, I give this to you. I was just, I was just driving down the road, the most common moment, and just had this sense of, of peace, had this sense of him taking that word, counterfeit, replacing it with beloved. All right. I mean, someone can tell me that, and I can think that, and I can read that in a book, but the Holy Spirit speaks to the heart. And he placed that word in my heart, and it, it just, it's a sense of peace. And he's the comforter. That was his role. He's my peace. He's yours. That's what he does for you. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't shame. He takes the most broken parts of us. He's patient. He's comforting. 
He corrects us when we need it. When we respond with, with, with vulnerability. To be open and sensitive to his influence. And to not stay in that moment, but to revisit that conversation over and over. And that's the third thing that he says, to pattern your life after the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. That it's not my ripcord in, in, in a crisis, shame spiral moment that, that actually I'm, I'm invited into this, this conversation with the Holy Spirit every day, every moment. That, that, that I can thank him when he reminds me how much God loves me and that I'm beloved and, and that I can thank him when, when he shows me how awesome community is and to share life with one another. That, that I can thank him when, when at times he corrects me and says, hey, this, this is in your heart. I don't think it needs to be here. This pattern of following in his steps day by day, moment by moment. Mike Harlan says that, that God will never give you a template for life that will eliminate absolute dependence on him or eliminate the need for a daily conversation with him. That, that God's not going to lead you in a way where you now have this religious function and, and you're off and you're set, you're good to go. No, no, he... He wants to lead you in his presence and in his relationship through his Holy Spirit. That's where the revolution begins, not because we learn something different, but because we strengthen this relationship and become more attuned to his influence and his leading and comforting in our lives. We're, um, we're going to take communion here. I'm going to invite our, our team to, to come up. And um, most weeks that, that we meet in this space, we, we take communion and we come to the table and it represents um, the, the blood and the broken body of Jesus. And, and today, why we're coming to this table, one of the reasons, there's many, but, but today, why we're coming to this table, this reality is why God's spirit gets to live in us. What Jesus did on the cross, what he was willing to do for you and I is why the Holy Spirit can live in us. And so we come to this table and we thank him and we remember. The, the first week of this uh, heart series, uh, Tim gave us that prayer prompt um, to start a conversation with the Holy Spirit by saying, uh, dear Holy Spirit, I want to pick up, uh, back up on that prompt. I want to add another, another phrase for us today. Um, as we're, we're getting ready to sing songs about the Holy Spirit, we're going to come to this table and worship. And, and the prompt I want to give you is, is, dear Holy Spirit, today my heart is fill in the blank. Today my heart is, is joyous. Today my heart is, is anxious. Today my heart is, is grieving. Today my heart is lethargic. But to come to this table and, and to begin a conversation with God's Spirit, where your heart is and invulnerable and being vulnerable with him and listen for his guiding and his influence. Jesus, thank you. Um, thank you for these scriptures that we get to look at that, that point to you. Um, they lead us to understand how we are beloved and how you want to make your home in us and how you want to, to shape our hearts, the behaviors and attitudes of our hearts. And that, that makes me want to worship you and it makes me want to thank you, and, and I pray today, as we come to these tables, that we would be willing to risk, to know and to have confidence that you're not here to condemn us and to cast shame on us. In fact, you're here to do the very opposite, to call us your beloved, to make us whole. 
And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that, that you would lead us into this conversation with you. We thank you in your name. Amen.